0: Welcome to episode 129 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition.
1: We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we will be discussing whether or not your knees should go over your toes, hamstring tightness. Overly thrusting the hips during squats and deadlifts, and two-a-day workouts. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show.
0: What's up, Achievers? Jason,
1: I feel like I have to tell you. So we were eating lunch before this. You asked me if you had anything in your teeth, and I said no, but now one just appeared out of nowhere. Bottom, a little over. Mm -hmm. No, the other way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, one more to the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, you got it. All right, we're good. All right, I just didn't, I would have hated for you to sit through the whole thing. The whole
0: with thing with the green speck in my mouth. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we just had our coaches retreat. Um. It's an annual retreat that we do. Um. Every year, usually we do it at the Cape where your grandparents live. Yep. Um. This year we went to one of our coaches, Michaela. She has a house in Maine, and we went there, and it was awesome. It was
1: awesome. So yeah. it was in a gunkwit, which I realized that like when i got there she was like let's go down to this cove it's called perkins cove and as, she, as soon as she said that i was like that sounds so familiar yeah. and so i texted my mom and she's like we used to go there all the time when you were kids so crazy um, and it's so crazy i i definitely recognize a lot of the parts of it once we actually got exploring and it's just beautiful I yeah loved it there. for those
0: of you who have been the marginal way is exception it should be called the exceptional way <laughs> uh the marginal way is kind of like a, a path along the the coast right yeah. or the shore um yeah. and it just is really scenic really beautiful like It's just surprising that you can get those types of views like just in Maine. It's like just an hour away from us, uh, a little more with traffic, obviously. But um, it was great good time bonding with our coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, The weather was amazing. Um, Everyone was just in a really good mood and like it's just cool. Yeah, it was awesome. it awesome. It was
1: really awesome. Everybody was in a good mood and also got like super vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. we all cried. (laughs) It's like all the feelings and all the emotions. Literally the cards that we got, everybody said all the feels on the front. And I thought that was appropriate because we're always like all about all the feels. But then it was truly the theme of the weekend. Yeah.
0: It was cool to – it's just cool to look back on it. And like we were talking about everyone, how everyone is like just has such a unique personality, their Mm -hmm. own individual. But we all come together with this common profession, common passion for um, making just like a positive impact through health and fitness. And it's just – really cool to just have united this team and we yeah. feel pretty pretty confident that we can do a lot of things with this team yeah it's, it's, it's awesome pretty special yeah so very cool Cool. so we're moving on into some of the topics i think the last podcast was well received so we'll we'll try this format again yeah. less q a and more kind of like general themes that we've uh, been asked about or just kind of are interested in talking about
1: yeah so one thing that i wanted to ask you about okay. that comes up to like People come up to us at the gym with this a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. and people ask us on uh, Instagram as well, is my hamstrings are always tight no matter how much I stretch them. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, like, so common. Yes, very common. People who say that, oftentimes we, like, test their hamstring flexibility, Mm -hmm. and their hamstrings aren't technically tight a lot of the time, right? So can you kind of build on that? And usually
0: if that's the case, if they've been stretching, like, forever, and their hamstrings are always just chronically tight – and then we go check them out and we just kind of like, just passively raise their leg up to a certain point and they're like, kind of like all touching their head basically. <laughs> and they just feel that sensation of being tight. Um, it might not be that the actual hamstring muscle is actually shortened. It's more the brain has given you some sort of perception that you're feeling tight. Right. And when that happens, it could be a matter of either being short or also it could be a matter of um, just being in a position where you're constantly using that muscle. And when that's the case, usually for hamstrings, usually for like calves and lower back, what a lot of times what we see is people having some different either postural situations or just the way they kind of like um, stand and carry themselves. And so let's say you are at home listening to this. Just stand up tall for me. And then from there, just lean your body as one complete unit very slightly forward. And when you do that and you do it more and more until the point where you're almost about to tip over, you'll start to notice that your feet, your calves, your hamstrings, your lower back, they all seem to wanna just kind of like grab and get tight and engaged. And that, at a surface level, what might be happening. And so what we always teach our members at Achieve, when they're squatting or they're deadlifting or doing any form of exercise, we want them to stand tall. And usually standing tall means, for a lot of people, slightly forward. We want them to be slightly back, standing up tall with their head up tall. And that usually gets them to a point where everything can kind of relax and work optimally. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think that there has been a trend in, once this got kind of figured out in the fitness industry and from coaches side of things, a lot of people are like, Oh, your hamstrings aren't tight. Yeah. Like it's just in your head. You just think they're tight. But that's not right. actually helpful because a person feels like their hamstrings are tight, even Definitely. if they're not shortened. And I think that we get so caught up in like the um the minutiae or like the detail of the word that we're using. Like yeah. they're not tight. They're not tight. They're not tight. But that doesn't help the person, right? right. If yeah. they're like, but why are they, why do they feel tight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, you're not explaining anything. So by kind of explaining to them, like they might not be technically short, a shortened muscle for you, mm-hmm. but you are feeling like they're tight because they're always turned on. They're right. always being worked. They're always being used. So they're just like tired mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and so that's why you're feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, but hey. lucky for you, all we have to do is kind of like address things from a postural standpoint. We don't have to worry about constantly stretching because once right. we do address that posture, then we don't have to continuously address it. We don't have to foam roll it every day. We don't have to stretch it every day because you'll just naturally feel a little bit better.
0: Absolutely. And this can be like compounded by, you know, the common postural terms that you hear like, Anterior pelvic tilt right. or forward head posture or rounded shoulders, all these things pull you slightly forward. And that's the reason why a lot of people feel a lot of tightness back there. And that's not to say these postural situations are uh, bad or cause pain, but it does change the whole length t- tension relationship um, with your whole muscular system. And so if we just bring you back to a slightly more neutral posture, it might help alleviate things and you're all better for it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, Second topic or question is um, – oh, someone asked this recently. They were asking if the reason why they see so many people um, on social media especially really aggressively pushing their hips forward and really tucking their hips under at the top of their squats and deadlifts.
1: Yeah, um, and we see this all the time. And it usually comes from a lot of things like this that get really exaggerated. They mm-hmm. usually come from a really well-intentioned cue. Yep. Um, and so for this one, it's definitely the cue to engage your glutes, Yeah. right? Like at the top, we're thinking about – Squeezing your glutes as tight as you can because we want them to be involved in this movement. We want some people are really looking for glute gains. They want to grow that muscle. So they're aiming to get as much glute activation as possible. And by posteriorly tilting your hips, you are going to be able to engage your glutes better. And so that is sort of where that kind of started. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, if you tilt your hips under a little bit more, you'll get that glute activation you might grow your butt a little bit bigger you might be able mm-hmm. to and make that muscle a little bit stronger and so it started with that and then i think over time it got just like more and more aggressive more and more <laughs> aggressive and now you see people just like crunching their entire body like toward each other yeah. like really tilting their hips under and it comes to a point where it actually just posturally isn't an ideal situation
0: yeah right, i think um i think we we like that cue especially at the top but yeah it became uh, if something is better Even more more. is better, right? And so it gets more and more aggressive of a tilt. And we're fine with it as long as other things don't get uh, affected because of it, right? So if we start to see an aggressive hip tuck lead to an aggressive chin tuck at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when we want to step in and kind of like, hey, let's stand up tall. Let's still have that in glute engagement, but have it be a little bit less so and the overall movement will be better for it.
1: Right. Exactly. And I think that from for you and I from our standpoint, we're typically working with people where we're trying to just help them move better, mm. feel better. And so maybe somebody who's going for a bodybuilding competition who really needs yeah. to strengthen or really needs to actually physically grow that muscle, they're going to do things that might be a little bit like not necessarily ideal from a movement standpoint because Mm -hmm. they're trying to focus solely on this muscle. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But for us, for the most people, for the most people we're working with, they're trying to move better. So by forcing them into this like really tilted posture, it's, it might activate their glutes a little more, but overall their movement is getting a little bit weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good distinction to make, uh, (laughs) We're not trying to uh, downplay or try to uh, say that this is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, We just think that it might be just going a little bit too far in one direction when a lot of people don't necessarily are looking to like compete on a stage as a figure competitor or a bodybuilder. And if that's the case for you, then definitely by all means go for it if that's a a lagging body part that you're trying to grow. Um, But otherwise, for the most part, just having more of a neutral position to things usually yields to really balanced results and more optimal results. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. All right. My next one's for you. Okay. Uh, So this one is probably actually the most common thing we get, or at least right now, the most confused that people tend to be about certain things that we post or certain ways that we move. So, and this is just like super common. So people have heard your knees shouldn't go over your toes mm. whether it's in squats and lunges and deadlifts like if your knees go over your toes you're going to have knee pain forever right right um and so but we often show things with our knees going over our toes and mm-hmm. it creates a lot of drama a lot of controversy
0: <laughs> um now with the whole knees over toes thing i think i think legend has it uh it, it originated with uh like 80s or 90s aerobics in- instructors uh during large group classes trying to figure out how to stop people from like getting their knees way far forward over their toes and having their heels lift up and kind of leading to movement compensations. Right. And so the cue, the common cue was don't let your knees pass your toes. And it quote unquote corrected a lot of issues. But I think that kind of got uh, extrapolated to knees going over toes will hurt my knees. Pain, right? um, and that definitely couldn't be further from the truth. Especially your body is a very resilient structure that will – is very capable of adapting to whatever demands that you place upon it. Now, if suddenly you have never squatted before, and then you squat a thousand times, knees way past your toes, you know, then maybe there might be some inflammation there. But for the most part, if you just slowly and systematically introduce squats, start to load squats, go over time, like that movement is totally fine. And so your joints are meant to lock out, express full ranges of motion. And so squatting deep, like physically you have to get your knees over your toes in order to achieve that sort of squat pattern unless like you're like really aggressively rounding your upper and mid back just to get down to that position Mm -hmm. but it's a very common pattern it's a natural pattern and as long as you take time to really adapt to that position it's totally fine
1: yeah and so something that we do do though even at achieve even though we have this philosophy that like Or, not even, I don't don't know if you would call it a philosophy, but like, it's okay (laughs) to let your knees go over your toes. We still do tend to start people with a squatting pattern that's a little bit more hip dominant. Mm, That's true. Um, So, people have seen that as well and been like, oh, so do you not allow knees over toes? But what we do is when people tend to start squatting who haven't squatted before, a lot Mm. of times their natural inclination is to let their knees go really far forward and their heels lift up and keep their like torso really upright. And so it becomes this very like, basically all of the stress is on the knee joint at that point. And so what we're trying to do is just retrain them to be able to sit back into their hips a little Mm. bit more, allow their chest to come forward a little bit more. So we almost go just teach the opposite movement pattern to start. And then gradually over time, depending on the implement that they're holding or using, we start to say, okay, now let's try to be a little more upright with your torso and let your knees go a little Mm. further over your toes. We just sort of go from this more hip dominant pattern to this more um, upright knees over toes pattern. But like you were saying, it's a very gradual process. So we don't go right to like a heavy over barbell overhead (laughs) squat, knees way over toes when somebody has been sedentary for years. Yeah,
0: that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. and yeah it's, it's definitely it's basically solving the problems that the aerobics instructors felt right away but you know logistically we have a easier time of controlling the situation mm-hmm. but yeah i imagine that if you're kind of like a step instructor back in the day like you have 50 people in your class like yeah an easy thing to easy just say thing. is keep your knees yeah. back right yeah, exactly. um so yeah um next topic is going to be the concept of working out multiple times in one day specifically two a days mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the average person including two a days or like would you even recommend two a days basically
1: for just the average person their goal is to just feel better be fitter be stronger
0: yeah yeah just your average person
1: typically no mm-hmm. i would typically say it's not necessary um yeah. and so i would say if somebody was saying what's an ideal like schedule for me i have I, my first question would be how many hours a day or how many hours a week I'm sorry do you have mm-hmm. to dedicate to working out yeah and that's a very important first question because mm-hmm. if I just gave a blanket statement and just said like oh four days a week and they're like crap I really only have like an hour a week <laughs> like now what am I supposed to do and right so, and so I always want to know that first because fitness should always be able to fit into your lifestyle and whatever your lifestyle is whether you're super busy or you have a lot of free time like mm-hmm. you choose what you know how much it's going to be able to fit into your right. lifestyle. Um, so first I would ask that. So typically people will say three to four, like Mm -hmm. that's a common answer, like three to four days a week, I think I can do. And so I usually will say, okay, that's perfect. We'll put together a strength training routine. That's um, either a three day total body workout or a four day upper lower split. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So sorry, that's not even, I'm not even really answering the question, I guess. (laughs) Like that's just an, an ideal workout. I guess what happens is a lot of people don't have the opportunity to be asked, like, what do you want to do? Or how Mm -hmm. much do you want to work out? And so then they just hear, like, on the internet or whatever, like, you should be doing two days, you should be working out twice a day. Yeah, they hear,
0: like, their favorite athlete or their favorite, like, competitor of some sort uh, working out twice a day or even more. And so they're like, oh, in order to get the best results that I can, I need to work out that many times a day, Yeah, right? And, you know, the thing that isn't being taken into account is just overall recovery.
1: Oh, okay. Now, if you
0: are a CrossFit Games competitor, if you are an elite swimmer, Olympian, like whatever it might be, you can recover from all those stressors placed in your body because you've slowly, over time, since the time you were like eight years old, have been training for this one sport. And so now you can recover from those imposed demands. Um, But if you're just the average person, suddenly you go into the gym or whatever and start training twice a day. Your muscles, your body just is not prepared for that from just an overall load standpoint. And so in that case, we definitely don't recommend it because, like you just mentioned, people have three to four days a week um, really max to work out. And then they slowly just kind of like um, it just becomes too much of a time commitment for them. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Now I understand a little bit more of what you were saying, though, mm -hmm. about like what what a two a day would kind of like. Mean for the average person like, yeah. And so the one one area that I would Say if you are like I want to do two days I have the time Like mm-hmm. I have all that time I would make sure That for some people want to Cross train um, like strength training And aerobic training so some people are training For a marathon mm-hmm. but they also want to make Sure that they're still strength training for right. people like That I will sometimes say Um, If you like they're already somebody who's obviously extremely committed to doing fitness every day Like if you're training for a marathon, you have to pretty much be willing to run almost every day Yeah, that's true Um, So if they're wanting to then incorporate strength training in they're saying I have the time when should I do it? Hmm. For some of those people I might say why don't you strength train or why don't you run in the morning and strength train at night Or something like that because sometimes doing a long run followed by strength training or vice versa is just going to be too much back to back. So that's totally. when I might say split that up into two workouts on one day. Yeah. That's um, a very good, uh,
0: distinction there. It, but it's,
1: that's really like one of the only t- times. Yeah. I think running of.
0: like really suits itself well for that. Um, basically like anything that's like kind of like a low intensity, like, steady state activity like running um maybe rowing uh biking hiking things like that yeah um that could definitely fit um still going to be really taxing but yeah for the majority like if you're going to be a marathon runner like you're going to be putting in a lot of hours anyway yeah you're already committed to like like, like, it's already factored in
1: it's going to be part of your day almost every day so but i like what you said about like the I, i never really thought about it that way of like you've been if you're an athlete and you've been practicing four hours a day every day for your mm-hmm. whole life, then that's just your normal. Yeah. And so like I was just thinking about gymnastics practice and I was like, wow, when we I was since I was eight years old, I was working out from after school until eight PM. Yeah. Straight. And every single day. This like crazy. if I tried to do that now, I would actually die. Like I don't yeah. think I could <laughs> physically do that and to the level that we were doing it. And so yeah, it's such a good point. Like you don't don't compare yourself to the way you used to be, don't compare yourself to other people who are doing sports professionally things like that like it's just a different life and a different thing that they're trying to accomplish and they've been building up to that throughout their their whole life
0: yeah a good example um is our coach our head of program design at achieve um ted Mm -hmm. he started off at achieve and he started off with three total body workouts per week um and then from there he moved on to four it was actually four total body workouts per week because he was training for olympic lifting specifically which inherently requires your total body Um, And then from there, he got to a point where progress was stalling. So he had to up it up to five days a week. And then from there, he is pretty much doing six days a week. And then from there, obviously, you can't work out seven days a week unless, like, that's your full-time job of being a professional athlete and training that way. He had to start incorporating some more workouts uh, twice a day. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, now I think he's doing five two-a-day workouts per week. He built up to that point. Um, But that's really because – Every time you hit a plateau, the next logical conclusion is to do more. But so many people can really maximize their potential for quite a long time, for years and years and years, working up to three to four times a week that we just don't really find the need to recommend that approach Um, unless you're training very specifically specifically for something. You have the means, the logistics, the resources, the time, all that to actually cope with that. Um, And so we can... pretty confidently say that we wouldn't recommend it to most people Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) all that to say
1: all that to say yeah Yeah.
0: so yeah that's it for our topics now we've got a little segment called stories that will make your heart sing Um, last week Lauren uh, presented the first one this week I'll do one and I'm just pulling up my phone here just to make sure I get the story right so um, there is this uh, youngster from El Dorado Kansas and he was diagnosed with a rare genetic disease called xeroderma pigmentosum which means that he's actually allergic to the sun. Oh wow. So every time he's 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 only 3 years old. Every time he goes out or he was 3 years old, sorry, when he got diagnosed, every time he goes out like he has to be completely covered. Mm. Um and so from like head to toe and so he usually doesn't really go out all that much. Um, the community uh, one day all came together and they partnered with uh, the National Organization for Rare Disorders, NORD, and they actually got every single person from the community together, firefighters, police officers, the school, his uh, schoolmates, his classmates, teachers, parents, like everyone in the community all got together and they gave him one night as his day. So, like, they flip-flop night and day together. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, there's a video that accompanies it, but it's really cool to have, like, I mean, there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of people at this thing. There's kids, like, they're jumping into, like, public swimming pools that are supposed to be closed, but it's open for during nighttime. So, I thought that was super cool. And just, like, it really shows the importance of community and social support and yeah, just how much that means for a kid, too. So,
1: yeah. Oh, I love that pretty it cool. so much. Stories that will make your heart one. sing. Uh, what a great segment. Yeah. I'm so happy we're doing <laughs> it. <laughs> I hope our listeners are too but if not it's at least just a selfish thing because yeah. i want to hear feel good stories every yeah. day. oh awesome well thank you all so much for listening and thanks for sending us topics if you have any topics of discussion or questions for us that you would like us to address in the podcast you can send them to us at achieve fitness boston on instagram if you like the podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on itunes we would be super grateful for that and until next time peace love and, and muscles, muscles.